0: Reading in Ezekiel over the last few weeks about how God is going to bring trouble and difficulties upon our nation, and there are several organizations that have gone together who are going to try to uh, make this nation ungovernable. And today was supposed to be the first day of the beginning of that effort in an official way. Uh, It is interesting what time of year they chose to start this, the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia began 100 years ago this month. Uh, They uh, have now set today up, the 4th of November is the day that they begin their activities, but the Bolshevik Revolution made its big move on the 7th and the 8th of November, So I wondered why the fourth? Well, this may just be an opening salvo, but it may be that it grows very quickly because we are definitely dealing with communists in our own government and among our own people who want to uh, perform a coup and get the present government out and install one that they like better. (coughs) In the middle of all this, Uh, Hollywood is coming apart at the seams as accusations are being made about all kinds of pedophilia and and, uh, molestation and harassment and so on. And some of them are beginning to sacrifice each other hoping they can preserve their own reputation I suppose. But at the same time uh, some of the leading Democrats now are coming out very strongly and throwing Hillary Clinton under the bus. Which uh, is kind of a an interesting development, whether there's something about to be announced about some of her criminality or what is unknown at this point. On the other hand, uh, I think that their fair-haired chosen boy could be Barack Obama to come back. I don't know that for sure, but uh, there is a story in the book of Revelation about he who was not or was and was not, and yet is. (laughs) So he was he isn't now. Uh, Could this apply? I don't know that for sure. There are some who believe that to be the truth. I read that in an article this morning. They're already calling him the beast of revelation. Now that remains to be seen whether that will be true. It's crossed my mind off and on too, of course, and probably yours as well. But I don't know that. Uh, it'll become more obvious, I think, as these weeks go by. Uh, the only thing I've heard so far today is that uh, a man drove his truck through the front doors of uh, a Big Bear Sporting Goods Store in Billings, Montana, and is having a standoff with the police there. Uh, that's just the first thing that's happened today. But what transpires from here on out, I I don't know. I know I had the, the thought in mind the other day after that uh, eight people killed in New York for, uh, for being on the bike path. That's the way it's fun. If you don't want to be run over on the bike path, don't get on a bike path. We can't be politically incorrect and call a radical Muslim a radical Muslim. That wouldn't, that's unheard of, so stay off the bike path. Well, what else you got to stay away from? pretty well everywhere. But the thought came through my mind, what happens when they start shooting up Walmart, where everybody goes? And then I think it was the next day or two days later, that had a Walmart shot up. Some people killed in a Walmart. So it's getting down, and who knows what uh, is planned for the next few days, if they really are going to try to uh, do this on the anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution, which is where communism began to take over. Uh, then they may have some huge false flag event or something to help set it off and get it going rather than just a few people carrying signs out in the street, you know. But we'll see. I know it's got to come because the Bible says there will be a civil war and ruler against ruler and violence in the land. So we know this is coming. It's just a matter of exactly how it appears and how quickly it gets big, but it appears that now is the time that they're getting it going. <coughs> I mean, even, they're also saying, some of them, I listened to an interview with a, a a fire chief, and he says that those fires in California were definitely set, and may have been done through uh, means other than striking matches, uh, through, I, I didn't read all that part, I'm not too interested, but they're able to control weather to one degree or another now and they are able to do things with currents and electromagneticism and various things that are uh, incredible along with the development of, of uh, robots which I think you're going to see them as soldiers uh, in the years to come as these wars are going on just as Joel seems to indicate. So we're on the cusp of of a real heavy time. And Ezekiel's talking about it here, so I think it's good that we're examining this. Now, in chapter 20, uh, Ezekiel's been going on pretty heavy about the sins of Israel uh, in the preceding chapters and what God is going to do about it. So here in chapter 20, uh, some of the elders of the land came to uh, Inquire of the Eternal and sat before Ezekiel, and said, what does, what does God have to say to us? Then came the word of the Eternal to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Eternal God. You want to know what I have to say? All right, here it is. Are you come to question me? Remember two or three chapters back where it says that they said that, his, that God's ways were unfair or unequal? and that their ways were right, well, this seems to be... They're putting it... They're obviously not happy with what Ezekiel has been saying to them in the last few chapters. So they come to inquire and say... And I think the way it's written shows that they were questioning God, or whether He was being fair with them or not. I will not be inquired of by you. You're not going to question me, God says... Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers. So God tells Ezekiel, Don't show mercy. Don't show favor. Don't tell them any nice, nice quiet, peaceful platitudes. Tell them the abominations of their fathers. Now we need to remember that Paul made the statement that the Bible was written for those upon whom the ends of the world would come. Now, he thought they were at the end at that time when he wrote that. But he made a true statement that God recorded. And that is that this book was written for us right here at the end. So we need to be sure that we are paying attention. Ezekiel's not just talking to some people thousands of years ago, uh, this is about us. Let's let's not forget that ever. This is about us. Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers and say to them, here's what you tell them, thus says the eternal God, in the day when I chose Israel and lifted up my hands to the seed of the house of Jacob... And made myself known to them in the land of Mithraim, when I lifted up my hand to them, saying, I am the eternal your God. Now, he had chosen, remember he had told Abraham, that your seed will be the people that I will work through. Now, it was determined in the next generation that it would be Jacob and not Esau. So God had made determinations and made choices down through the history of Israel. So he decided to work through Jacob and then through Joseph and the other sons of Jacob to begin the tribes of Israel. So he said, when Jacob's seed were there in Mithraim, I said, I am the Lord your God. They didn't know who he was. They'd been worshiping idols at that point. In the day that I lifted up my hand to them to bring them forth of the land of Mithraim into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Now, the promised land was to be a land that was rich. It was to be verdant. It was to have everything you need, according to Deuteronomy 8. And this is the glory of all lands. <laughs> I hate to keep interdicting this, but... That's never been in the Middle East, ever. Even the archaeologists say there is no evidence anywhere that they have been able to discover that says there's ever been a climate change in that area, that it's always been that way. Very little water, very little of anything, and certainly uh, minerals and and the richness of, of the various minerals that we use in our society simply isn't and wasn't there, never has been there. So, this is a special land, God said. So, he says, reason with them. Remember, think back about your fathers. There they were. They were slaves. And I had figured out a beautiful place for them to live that had everything they could need, the glory of all the lands. Which continent would most people pick out if they were just to decide which continent is the best place, best weather, best farm opportunities, best minerals, best everything, where would you go? Unquestionably right here. I've been there. I've gone to all those continents. And man, am I ever glad when I get back to this one. <laughs> there's less things that bite and kill you. And and the weather is better. And uh, there's enough good land to feed almost the whole world, it seems. <coughs> so anyway, <coughs> it's talking to us here. Then said I to them, Cast you away, every man, the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Mitzriam. I am the Eternal, your God. Well, Mitzriam became a symbol of sin uh, throughout the Bible. It was always looked back on as the land of sin. And symbolically, it's used that way throughout the Bible. Well, where is Egypt today? It's all around us. And it's beginning to come out in major ways. Uh, Even Disney is beginning to uh, get some heat for pedophilia and various things that have gone on in the Disney world. So, it's all around us. This is an abominable, satanic culture that we live in. And remember, he's talking to us at the end time. We're not talking about whether some Egyptian worshipped a crocodile or not. We're talking about modern idols here. (coughs) We have to look at the idolatry in ourselves and around us. But they rebelled against me, and would not hearken to me. They, they did not every man cast away his, the abominations of their eyes. Neither did they forsake the idols of Mitzrium. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them, to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of, Ibrahim, of, of, of Mitzrium. But I worked for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted before the heathen, "...among whom they were." So God says, "...I could have just written them off and let them all die as slaves in Mithraim, but I had promised Abraham, and I worked because my name is involved. I said, I will take your seed, Abraham, and multiply them and bless them and give them a good land and all these things that God had promised." And he said, "...now I look at you, and you're not worth saving." But I gave my word, so I'm going to work with you, that his name not be polluted before the heathen, and whose side I made myself known to them, and bringing them forth out of the land of Mithraim. So what did he do? He des- He destroyed that whole culture. He destroyed that whole empire with a series of plagues and death of the firstborn, and on and on it went, so that he got himself victory over the most corrupt empire on earth at that time, and I brought them out. Wherefore, I caused them to go forth out of the land of Mithrim, and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes, and showed them my judgments, which if a man do them, he shall even live in them. So he says, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Eternal that sanctify them. Referring back to Exodus 31, where he says my Sabbaths are a sign. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes. They despised my judgments, murmured, if you will, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbaths they greatly polluted, Then I said, I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. God is reasoning with these people. He's saying, Look what I did. And I gave you a chance. I gave your forefathers a chance. What have you done? So we can look back at this history and say, Well, now, 430 years ago, God gave us this land. What have we done? We've polluted it. We've ruined it. We've committed every sin and abomination of, that there is in it. And now it's on its last legs, about to be destroyed because of sin. I was going to consume them, but I worked for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sight I brought them up. Verse 15, Yet also I lifted up my hand to them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all land. Well, I've already read that. Uh, but he gave them every chance. They polluted everything. Their heart went after idols. Verse 17, Nevertheless my eye spared them from destroying them, neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness. That all you elders are going to die and I'll work with the next generation. I said to their children in the wilderness, walk you not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile themselves, uh, yourselves with their idols. I am the eternal, your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my judgments and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths and they shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the eternal, your God. Think the Sabbaths are important? The Holy Days are important? Look at this history and what God calls them out on. And yet here in the end time, Worldwide Church of God abandoned God's Sabbaths and Holy Days, which we had recognized as a very major part of God's uh, way of life. Sabbaths, one of the Ten Commandments. Notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and worked for my name's sake that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen in whose sight I brought them forth. So even the kids, once he had pronounced that on the elders, or the elder generation, and they began dying out, the kids also rebelled. What's a God to do? I lifted up my hand to them also in the wilderness, that I would scatter them among the heathen, and disperse them through the countries. Because they had not executed my judgments, but had despised my statutes and polluted my Sabbaths, And their eyes were after their father's idols. Here we are, America. How many people in this country keep God's Sabbath? How many keep His holy days? How many keep Christmas and Easter and Halloween and all of these pagan things that are worship of Satan? They're idols. False holidays. That's what our culture is built on. Wherefore I gave them also statutes that were not good and judgments whereby they should not live. It isn't best to live by. Well, what's that? Jeremiah 7.22. I didn't speak to you about uh, sacrifice when I brought you out of the land of Mithraim. Animal sacrifice is not a good thing. Uh, It's not something that God desires. He's not... Uh, pleased with the blood of bull and goats, he says. But he gave them that sacrificial system to remind them of sin. But every t- <laughs> time time <they> sinned, <coughs> excuse me, it cost them. <coughs> and I polluted them in their own gifts, in that they caused to pass through the fire all that opens the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end that they might know that I am the eternal. So they sacrifice their children to false gods. And now we do the same uh, with our millions and millions of abortions, ending human life before it can even get started good. Because it's more convenient for us and we don't want that baby. Well, why would you make it in the first place if you didn't want it? Well, because I wanted to do what I wanted to do and that was just the byproduct and I didn't want it. Those are God's children they're killing. They could be in his kingdom someday. And, and as his universe expands. Satan wants to kill all people. And if he can kill babies, oh boy, he loves that. Who Who is running our government in Washington, D.C., and in Heliwood as they call it, Satan. They have sex rings for these little kids, pedophiles. They're selling them off into sex slavery when they're 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 years of age. Child Protective Services is involved in it, picking up people's kids and then selling them into slave trade. That's our government doing that. We are an abominable filth and stench in the eyes of God as a nation. We're about to be taken down. So, God is just telling them. These, came, these came, people came to question me. Tell them what I have to say. This is it. They're going to find out that I am the Eternal. Verse 27, Therefore, Son of Man, speak to the house of Israel and say to them, Thus says the eternal God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. (coughs) For when I had brought them into the land, for the which I lifted up my hand to give it to them, so they crossed the Jordan, God had said, I'm going to take them into this beautiful land, which he did, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered there their sacrifices, and there they pre- presented the provocation of their offering. Oh, got lots of trees here. Let's strip the limbs off and make phallic symbols and worship under them. What's worship today? Everybody take Viagra so we can worship. There also they made their sweet savor and offered, poured out their, their drink offerings. Then I said to them, What is the high place whereto you go? And the name thereof is called Bama unto this day. <laughs> That's an interesting word there. Uh, you put an O on it and what do you have? Or Alabama. I, I don't know. Of course, Alabama is not really a, a high place in elevation, but just an interesting word in the midst of sin here. Uh, Bama means high, or a wave, or a high place, an elevation. Or, more specifically, a height of Baal. A place to worship Baal. We've got, all, we've got those all over our country. Don't mean to pick on anybody in particular. Wherefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the eternal God, Are you polluted after the manner of your fathers? And commit you whoredoms after their abominations? Let's ask ourselves that question. I've been sort of saying it as we go along through here. But this depicts us today. For when you offer your gifts, when you make your sons pass through the fire, you pollute yourselves with all your idols, even to this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? Can this nation go before God today while we're killing tens of millions of babies and say, Oh God, why don't you bless us? And say, God bless America. Why on earth would God bless America today? We're full of fraud and cheating and adultery and fornication and pedophilia and homosexuality and fraud and lying and cheating and murder and everything. It's what this nation is anymore. So God says, As I live, says the Eternal, you're not going to question me. Not in your condition. And that which comes into your mind shall not be at all that you say we will be as the heathen, as the families of the countries to serve wood and stone. He says, I'm going to take your idols away from you. As I live, says the Eternal God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm, And with fury poured out will I rule over you. You're going to learn that free moral agency has a limit. And I am going to make you obey my laws no matter what. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there will I plead with you face to face. He says, you're not going to question me now. I am going to pour out my fury, and you're going to find out what kind of God you're dealing with, and you will learn to fear me. And when you learn to fear me, then I'm going to bring you out of all the countries where you've been taken into captivity. And I'll plead with you face to face says, You want to talk? All right, now we'll talk. But not till you change your attitude. <laughs> uh, you're not going to question me and whether I'm fair or not. We're going to have a little round and round and round here for a while, and then we'll talk. He says, I'll, I'll do the same as I pleaded with your and fathers in the wilderness of the land of Mithraim. So will I plead with you, says the eternal God. Now, he appeared in power and glory there when they came out of Mitzrayim, didn't? didn't he? Mount Sinai. There's clouds and smoke and thunder and lightning. So he's going to show himself to be powerful and strong. And then he says, we will talk. And I will cause you to pass under the rod. When a shepherd brings his sheep into the fold at night, He holds his rod out, and he counts them as they come under the rod and into the sheepfold or the pen for the night to protect them. So God says, I'm going to bring you back into the land. I'm going to take care of you, and I will start counting you like a shepherd does a sheep to be sure everything is good. Uh, It was also a time that he could inspect the sheep as they ran by, see whether they looked healthy or whether they had a bad leg or, or the scours or whatever. And I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. So God says, I'll put you through trouble, and then I'll start drawing you out. But I will also watch for rebels, or wolves in sheep's clothing, or however you want to put it. Those that actually are transgressing against him, and they will be purged out. God is not going to have rebels in His camp. Now, you can be referring to this as once Christ starts the millennium, and if they don't come to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, they don't get rain, and the rebels will be purged. Or, looking at it today, to whom this is written more than any other generation, He is going to have peace here at the end within His work that He is going to do how can we be an example to the world if we're fighting among ourselves? That's what they're doing. (laughs) You know? it's what the world is all about, is fighting among themselves, nation against nation, people against people. And if we're doing the same thing, we can't be a light to the world. Can't be. Won't happen. But God says we must be a light to the world. Therefore, he will purge out all rebels. Any who rebels against what he is doing and how he wants it done and who he wants it done by is going to go away. Because he said, I will have peace in this place there Haggai. When he draws his people together, it's got to be a peaceful place. They have to get along. have to be a light to the world. So the rebels have to be Purged. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the eternal. I have felt all along that God put us here, where we are, on purpose. We didn't just happen to show up in, of all places, Cane Beds, Arizona, because this was a wonderful, desirable place to be, and this is what we had always dreamed of. That's not why we showed up here. These are called the Canaan Mountains between here and Hurricane. Canaan Mountains. And on the other side of those mountains is Zion. So we are at the base of Canaan, the Canaan Mountains. In fact, these hills along here these red promontories sticking out as you look to the north on that one map I saw said it's there called the cliffs of Zion so we haven't entered in we're on the outside we haven't entered into the land of Canaan yet we're on the outside of those mountains on the other side is Zion I don't feel we're qualified to go in yet And the rebellion that is spoken of in several places of Anatoth has occurred and is occurring. And there are still those here who rebel against what God is doing here. And they simply have to go away. That's the way it's going to be. God has proclaimed that. Repent or go away. The only thing that can happen. And they're going to find out who God is. So it says right here, they will not enter into the promised land. They're not going to Jerusalem. They're not going to Zion. They're going to be purged out before we can ever go there. They shall not enter into the land of Israel. Now here, of course, it's speaking of the original promised land, and... The whole nation. It was later expanded, and God mentioned that He would expand it so it included the whole nation, the whole continent, if you will. Uh, But here He's speaking of bringing His people to Zion. And I'll tell you, in 2012, I thought it'd be neat if we could go and keep the feast at the site of Jerusalem. And as I look back, it was a wonderful time in some respects, but we had dissension, we had people fighting, we had not peace there. Some people even left during the middle of the feast. And I concluded at that time, we're not ready to come here yet. That was a lesson. We're not ready to come here yet. There isn't time. We are not worthy of being on the hill of Jerusalem. And look what has transpired since. So, there's a reason we're not going there. There's a reason we're not going up to Zion at this point. We have to do our part. And God will purge the rebels, and then He will begin to bring people in, as He says He will do. Verse 39, As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the eternal God, Go you, serve you, everyone, as idols, and hereafter also. If you won't hearken to me, but pollute you my holy name, no more, Oh, oh, if you won't hearken to me, but don't pollute my holy name anymore with your gifts and with your idols. Well, God says, unless the repentance, the obedience is sincere, quit using my name in vain. That's one of the Ten Commandments. To say we serve God and we're going to obey God, and then rebel against what God does is hypocrisy. And he says, You don't have to follow me, but quit using my name for your lying, your fraud, your theft, and all the things that you're doing. For in my holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, says the eternal God, "...there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me. There will I accept them, and there will I require your offerings and the first fruits of your oblations with all your holy things." So he says, don't be hypocrites. When you come into my holy mountain, uh, everybody there is going to be serving me. They will do what I say, and I will accept then uh, your offerings." I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein you have been scattered. He says, they'll come to replace those that we have lost in another place. I'll give you more children for those that you have lost, that have rebelled and are no longer with you. So he'll bring them into a peaceful place. And I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. In other words, you will obey me And I can bless you, and you'll be a set apart from the heathen as opposed to looking like the heathen and acting like the heathen and fighting like the heathen. And you shall know that I am the eternal when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for the which I lifted up my hand to give it to your fathers. So things have to be made right here before God starts bringing in the people to build the temple. They have to be made right here. And he will see to it that that is done. And there shall you remember your ways and all your doings wherein you have been defiled, and you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that you have committed. We'll recognize. Maybe our self-righteousness will get stripped away. And we'll recognize our sin and what we have been and repent. And you shall know that I am the eternal for the eleventh-hundredth time in this book. When I have worked with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O you house of Israel, says the eternal of God. He says, it is my righteousness. Doesn't he say there in Isaiah 54, last verse, it won't be your righteousness, righteousness anymore, but my righteousness. Because I worked with you and imparted my righteousness to you, because yours was like filthy rags. Moreover, the word of the Eternal came to me, saying, He says, I'm not done. Son of man, set your face toward the south. They were to the north in Babylon. So he's talking to Israel again. And drop your word toward the south and prophesy against the forest of the south field. And say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the eternal. Thus says the eternal God. Behold, I will kindle uh, a fire in you and it shall devour every green tree in you and every dry tree, the flaming a flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south to the north shall be burned therein. Hasn't it pretty well burned up the whole church? Isn't it about to burn up the whole nation? And all flesh shall see that I, the eternal, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. This fire is going to burn, and it is going to take this nation down. It's already taken the church down. Now we're looking at the nation. I've been saying that for a lot of years, and now we're watching it begin to happen as it comes apart. You've never seen in the government of this nation and among the people of this nation what is happening today. Washington, D.C. is imploding with senators against senators and politicians against politicians, Hollywood is imploding with accusations going back and forth. People are beginning to talk about shooting one another in the streets, Democrats against Republicans and so on. not been this way. Just up to the Civil War, and then we had a Civil War. Now we're about to have another. This one's going to kill a lot more people than that one did. Then said I, O Lord God, they say of me, Does he not speak parables? Does this sound like a parable? No, God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not talking in parables. I'm being pretty plain here. But people don't want to believe this. They don't want to grasp it. They won't accept it any more than the rebels on this land will accept what God says. They still think they're obeying God. They're still using God's name while they lie, cheat, threaten, and destroy character, or uh, impugn character. Anyway, let's go on to chapter 21. The word of the eternal came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Jerusalem, and drop your word toward the holy places, and prophesy against the land of Israel. So the church and the land both holy places and the land itself and say to the land of Israel thus says the eternal behold I am against you and will draw forth my sword out of his sheath and will cut off from you the righteous and the wicked he says I'm not going to spare it doesn't matter who you are if you're in this country living here it is going to be destroyed and it doesn't make any difference how you're living it will happen now, we know from other places he is going to draw some out and protect them, but those of the church who are left behind the tribulation could be termed, in one sense, the righteous, even though they are not as zealous as they should be and are having to repent during tribulation, but they're going to die too. They might have at one point been good church members and deemed righteous. So it doesn't matter. He's going to destroy this country. And if you're left behind, you'll get destroyed. Seeing then that I will cut off from you the righteous and the wicked, therefore shall my sword go forth out of its sheath against all flesh from the south to the north, one end of the country to the other, that all flesh may know that I, the Eternal, have drawn forth my sword out of his sheath. It shall not return any more. Now, we'd like to blame the devil for all the trouble, wouldn't we? When God says, I'm going to do this, read the book of Lamentations, where it's talking specifically about the church. And it says, I did it. I did it. Over and over and over again, he says that. He may let Satan and his minions do the dirty work, but he's behind it all the way. It's his sword. So he says, verse 6, Sigh, therefore, you son of man, with the breaking of your loins and with bitterness sigh before their eyes. Uh, break up emotionally. Uh, that's, that's what this is saying. You, your sigh is a representation of the emotion that goes all the way down through your trunk, through your body. It's a bitter thing. And it shall be when they say to you, Wherefore sigh you, that you shall answer? For the tidings... Because it comes. The evil comes. And every heart shall melt, and all hands shall be feeble, and every spirit shall faint, and all knees shall be weak as water. Behold, it comes, and shall be brought to pass as the Eternal. Now, we still have people in this country, many, many, many of them on either side of this great divide that is occurring, who say, bring it on, we'll shoot them all, we got plenty of guns, we'll take care of these snowflakes. And the others on the other side are saying, wear gear that looks like you're on the other side and they won't know who to shoot. So we still have a lot of pride and vanity and ego and think that, hey, we're going to take care of this problem. No. not going to happen. It's coming. And it says, all these proud, boastful people who think that they can solve the problem with their guns are not going to do it. Every heart shall melt. Every spirit shall faint. All knees shall be weak as water. When, this, when God gets done, there's not going to be anybody standing up saying, I can fix this. The great American hero does not exist anymore. It comes. Again, the word of the Eternal came to be saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, thus says the Eternal, Say, a sword, a sword is sharpened and polished. It is sharpened to make a sore slaughter. It is polished that it may glitter. Should we then... Make fun of it? Should we say, hey, I can take care of this. I don't need God and His sword. It condemns the rod of my son as every tree. And He has given it to be polished, that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened, and it is polished, to give it into the hand of the slayer. So God says, I'm polishing up my sword, and I'm going to give it to those who are going to actually do the slaying. Cry and howl, son of man, for it shall be upon my people. It shall be upon all the princes of Israel, so the leadership as well, not just the people. Terrors by reason of the sword shall be upon my people. Smite, therefore, upon your testicles, because it is a trial, and what if the sword condemn even the rod? It shall be no more, says the eternal God." I'm not going to be counting the sheep going under the rod. The sword is going to take care of everybody. Thou, therefore, Son of Man, prophesy and smite your hands together and let the sword be doubled the third time. He says, when I speak of war here and I speak of a sword, let's double it, let's triple it, let's be sure you get the point. There's going to be a lot of people dying. It is the sword of the great men that are slain, now notice this, which enter into their private chambers. Right now we have a tremendous boom in people building underground sanctuaries to hide from the trouble that they know is coming. And a lot of it is the wealthy and the so-called elite who are causing it to come and bringing it upon us, but they themselves expect to be protected. And God says this sword will come upon those who enter their private chambers. So, it isn't going to do them any good to go underground, whether it's under Denver or wherever else they build their bunkers. God says, I can find you, whether you're in the depths of the earth or in the sea or up in the heavens. I'll find you. So He's... Reiterating that kind of makes me a question go through my mind. Uh, just as this big rebellion is supposed to be being launched over the next few weeks or the next few days, maybe even, our president takes his whole family out of the nation for a couple of weeks. I don't know whether that's because he knows what's coming or whether it's just happenstance, we'll see. But why did Bush run down to Florida to read to little kids uh, when the towers were being destroyed? I don't know. I do know this, that all of our leaders are false. All our leaders who try to protect themselves are not going to be protected. And it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. They're all crooks. They're all liars. So, that's not a political statement either direction. It's across the whole gamut of the political scene. I have set the point of the sword against all their gates, that their heart may be faint and their ruins be multiplied. Ah, it is made bright. It is wrapped up for the slaughter. Is is God being fairly clear here? Is He speaking in parables? Go you one way or other, either on the right hand or on the left, wheresoever your face is set. I will also smite my hands together, and I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Eternal, have said it. The word of the Eternal came to me again, saying, Also, you son of man, appoint you two ways, that the sword of the king of Babylon may come. Both two shall come forth out of one land and, it sh- and choose you a place. Choose it at the head of the way to the city. So he says there's trouble coming from two directions. Determine where it's going to go, what's going to happen. This is kind of an interesting passage here. He says, A point away that the sword may come to Rabbath of the Ammonites and to Judah in Jerusalem, the defense. So he says there's a sword coming and it's going to come upon Ammon and it's going to come upon Jerusalem or upon Israel. Now Ammon was one of the uh, the Ammonites and Moabites came from the two daughters of Lot who had a relationship with their father because they thought he was the only man left on earth I guess and that they would better start things over. Now Isaiah 15, 16, and other places talk about the Ammonites here in the end and that they've laid up great storage and that that storage food and so on that they've put up will be there for God's people. So that tells me that they're Ammonites and Moabites uh, right around where God's people are going to be gathered, right? That's one of the reasons I believe that the Mormons... Uh, are not really Israelites, but they are kin to Abraham, yes, but through Lot. And they, uh, with their incest and with their uh, polygamy and all that they do, uh, seem to be (laughs) the offspring of Ammon and Moab. So he says it's coming into the land, and it's coming against Ammon and against Israel. For the king of Babylon stood at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways. He said, am I going after Ammon or am I going after the Israelites? And then he uses divination. He made his arrows bright. He consulted with images. He looked in the liver. So he considered his own feelings, his own emotions, and he also got out his crystal ball because he's of the occult and Trying to decide which way to go. At his right hand was the divination for Jerusalem. He said, Okay, I can go to the right and I'll go destroy them. To appoint captains, to open the mouth in the slaughter, to lift up the voice with shouting, to appoint battering rams against the gates, to cast them out and to build a fort. So he says, On the one hand, I can destroy all the Israelites I can find. And it shall be unto them as a false divination in their sight, to them that have sworn oaths. But he will call to remembrance the iniquity that they may be taken. So he's got to remember Israel, and he's not going to like his memories, and they need to be taken. Therefore, thus says the eternal God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered, in that your transgressions are discovered... Other people can see the sins of our land. They know we're not righteous. They know we're not good. Your sins appear. Because I say that you are come to remembrance, you shall be taken with the hand. So God says, your iniquity will be remembered and you will be destroyed. And you profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come when iniquity shall have an end. So he says, For we're at the end of this age, iniquity is soon going to end, and the ruler of Israel, uh, the wicked prince, will be removed. Thus says the eternal God, Remove the di- diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. So God says, I'm going to turn it upside down. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it. Uh, The Hebrew says perverted, perverted, perverted. I will pervert it. Now, in the past, we've had people who say that the the crown of Israel will be overturned three times, citing Rehoboam to Jeroboam, and then Phares and Zerah, and then how it would go to Ireland, uh, to Scotland, and England. And maybe there is a historical fulfillment of this overturning of the crown three times, but I don't know that that's what this is really talking about in terms of an end-time prophecy. It sounds like uh, an emphasis of perversion and how government may be overturned or perverted and perverted again. Uh, Right now, we are facing a coup in this country where there are Millions of people who are dead set on removing Trump and Pence from office and installing a new head. Is it going to get turned over a time or two or three here? Um, Could be all an end time prophecy. Be worth watching. Because it talks about, at the end, it'll be turned over to him whose right it is, and I will give it him. Now, he's going to give Zerubbabel... The plummet. He's going to give him as an insign to the nations, but he is only a type of Christ, and it ultimately will be that it will be turned over to Christ at the beginning of the millennium. So, even though God has said that there would be someone in the line of David throughout history, through Ab- from Abraham through David, uh, it'll be given to He who deserves it in the end who is also a son of Abraham and a son of David, Christ himself. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the eternal God concerning the Ammonites. So he addresses Israel first here, the two ways that it could go. And he says, I'll punish uh, Israel and the prince of Israel, and I will overturn, overturn, and pervert it, pervert it, and pervert it. And then he addresses the Ammonites. That was the other way that he could go. "...and concerning their reproach, even say you, the sword, the sword is drawn, for the slaughter it is polished to consume because of the glittering. While they see vanity to you, while they divine a lie to you, to bring you upon the necks of them that are slain, of the wicked, whose day is come, when their iniquity shall have an end." Shall I cause it to return to his sheath? I will judge you in the place where you were created, in the land of your nativity. Now he's talking to the Ammonites here, the second way. Where were the Ammonites born? Remember Abraham and Lot? Abraham said, take your pick. And Lot took the uh, best valleys. Abraham took what was left. That was right up here, Utah. So this is the land of the nativity. That's where you are going to be slaughtered. So the Mormons have got it coming just like Israel has it coming. Because they're different. They're not Israelites. They're Ammonites, Moabites, and probably Edomites. And other stuff mixed in, just like there is with Israel. But we're talking about the people as a whole. So they will be judged right here where they began. And I will pour out my indignation upon you. I will blow against you in the fire of my wrath and deliver you into the hand of brutish men and skillful to destroy. Powerful soldiers who know what they're doing and are very, very good at killing. You shall be for fuel to the fire, your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall be no more remembered, for I, the Eternal, have spoken it. So here in chapter 12, and Ammon, through Lot. I got a little time left here. Let's get on into chapter 22, some. More of the word of the Eternal came to me, saying, Now, you son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Yes, you shall show her all her abominations. Before, back here, he says, Are you going to judge them? And here he says, Go ahead. Show all their abominations. Don't you get tired of hearing all of this over and over and over and over again? It's like a parent with a child. How many times have I told you when are you going to do what I'm telling you to do? Oh, are we like children? Do we keep doing the same things over and over? And God says, all right, I'm going to keep telling you. But He doesn't spare the rod either. He says, I'm going to to paddle you good. I'm going to polish my sword, sharpen it. So he says, alright, go ahead and make a judgment. Show her her abominations. Then say you, thus says the eternal God, the city sheds blood in the midst of it, that her time may come and makes idols against herself to defile herself. He says, you're only hurting yourself. What did Paul say there in, uh, was it, 1 Corinthians 6? That when you commit fornication, you're sinning against your own body. Same thing here. Our sins will destroy us. You are become guilty in your blood that you have shed, and have defiled yourself in your idols which you have made. And you have caused your days to draw near, and are come even to your years. Therefore have I made you a reproach to the heathen, and a mocking to all countries. People have looked up to America... Now we are, they are beginning to mock us and laugh at us and deride us and despise us. We don't look like a people of God. Israel is not a light to the nations today. We just are not. And the nations are doing their best to destroy us. Those that be near and those that be far from you shall mock you which are infamous and much vexed. Are we much vexed yet? We get these massacres in San Bernardino and in Orlando and in Walmart and uh, in Las Vegas. And we have all these people being mowed down on the, just being out on the sidewalk, bike path. How much before we begin to feel truly vexed and worried and concerned? I know I walked into Walmart the other day after that shooting that occurred in a Walmart, and I kind of had a funny feeling between my shoulder blades. It's not safe to go to Walmart anymore. I mean, that's just one of them, but this is going to increase, and we're going to be much vexed Behold, the princes of Israel, every one, were in you to their power to shed blood. Our own leaders are there to shed our blood. I've quoted Jeremiah fifty fifty one many times where it says that they will betray us and give their hand to destroy us. We'll see where all the betrayal comes from. I don't trust Hillary Clinton. I don't trust Barack Obama. And I'm not sure I trust Donald Trump either. He's been a billionaire and one of them all along. He said he's going to do some things to straighten things out. So I trust him about a silly millimeter more than I do the other two. But it's just a very tiny one, believe me. Because there are no righteous rulers in the land. And he is not going to save this country. And I even... Should I even... Go there to say maybe he ran from the trouble to come? We'll know here in a few days, I guess. But you see, that's the fact that I would have that question come into my mind shows how much I trust anybody in the political sphere. Because God says in Isaiah, it will be sick from the head to the foot, all the way through. You can't trust anybody. In you have they set light by father and mother. In the midst of you have they dealt uh, by oppression with the stranger. In you have they vexed the fatherless and the widow. We're talking here about the leaders of the land who are destroying the middle class. You have despised my holy things and have profaned my Sabbaths. In you are men that carry tales to shed blood. That's character assassination. They carry lies, fraud, evil imaginations to cause hurt and blood to be shed, whether it's physical blood or emotional. And in you they eat upon the mountains. In the midst of you they commit lewdness. So our leaders are destroying us as a people while they go to their secret confabs and sacrifice children and eat, drink blood, and so on. That's what our leaders in this nation are doing. Skull and bones. Uh, What's the one where... uh, I can't even... The Bohemian Bohemian Grove. All these things. "...in you have they discovered their father's nakedness, and you have they humbled her that was set apart for pollution or impurity." And one has committed abomination with his neighbor's wife. A lot of sex scandal going on in Washington and Hollywood right now. And another has lewdly defiled his daughter-in-law. And another in you has humbled his sister, his father's daughter. It's all going on with this pedophilia and homosexuality and and, uh, unfaithfulness. And it's coming out that it's our leaders that are doing it just as much as anybody else or more because they have more opportunity. In you have they taken gifts to shed blood, pay off, uh, murdering for hire. You have taken usury and increase. Our whole financial system is there to make everybody poor by taking undue usury and increase. And you have greedily gained of your neighbors by extortion and have forgotten me, says the eternal God. Behold, therefore, I have smitten my hand at your dishonest gain which you have made and at your blood which you have, which has been in the midst of you. Can your heart endure or can your hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with you? I, the Eternal, have spoken it and will do it. You think your pride and your ego and your humanness can save you when I come against you? I will scatter you among the heathen and disperse you in the countries. And will consume your filthiness out of you. Dead men don't sin. You're going to kill us off. And you shall take your inheritance in yourself in the sight of the heathen, and you and you shall know that I am the eternal. What are we going to inherit? Famine, pestilence, disease, the sword, and slavery. That's our inheritance. The word of the Eternal came to me, saying, Son of man, the house of Israel is to me become dross. All they are brass and tin and iron and lead. In the midst of the furnace, they are even the dross of silver. You know, when you're refining metals, you're after gold and silver and precious metals. And it's mixed in with all kinds of things that have very little or no value. And you have to get rid of that which has no value so that you can have that which is held precious. And God says, you're just like all this garbage. You're not the gold and the silver. You're just the stuff that we throw away. Therefore, thus says the eternal God, behold, you are all become gross, slag, worthless. Behold, therefore, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem. As they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow the fire upon it, to melt it, So will I gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. He says in Malachi that he will refine us as you refine silver. Great heat coming. Yes, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in the midst thereof. As silver is melted in the midst of the furnace, so shall you be melted in the midst thereof. And you shall know that I, the eternal, have poured out my fury upon you. He says I don't see much silver and gold but I'm going to melt all the wretchedness and I'm going to find any silver and gold that might be there and it will be tried in the fire. So the word came to me saying son of man say you to her you are you are the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation the blessings will not be there God will not bless America. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They've devoured souls, they've taken the treasure and precious things, they have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Is there a conspiracy? (laughs) We talk about conspiracy theories. And all those who are in the elite and in the mainstream media, say anybody that, says this is going to happen to this country is a conspiracy theorist. Well, God is the greatest conspiracy theorist there is then because He's the one that says this is going to happen. Her priests have violated my law, have profaned my holy things. They put no difference between the holy and profane. Do anything you want. It's okay. If it feels good, do it. Neither have they show difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Any wonder, God says in the book of Haggai, if you touch the unclean, are you unclean? Or if the unclean touch the holy, does it become unclean? He says, you've got to make a difference between the clean and the unclean. God has to have the clean. Be you clean that bear the vessels of the eternal. So we've got to put sin out. We've got to put rebellion out. We've got to get rid of all that so we can be a light to the Gentiles. That's what God wants. We have to make a difference between righteous and evil. Her leaders in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Is that what the big corporations and the politicians and the businessmen are doing today? You bet. And their prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, saying everything's going to be okay, seeing vanity and divining lies to them, saying, thus says the eternal God, when the eternal has not spoken this. They think everything's going to be all right. Now, God had not said that. The people of the land have used oppression and exerc- exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Donald Trump is not one that can do that. God said, I didn't find any. So, those of you who still hold out hope that Donald Trump is going to solve the problems and make America great, need to get over your delusions. You need to get over your idea that man can solve the problems that only God can solve. He said he found that no man, not one, none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have a recompense upon their heads, says the eternal God. To some people in this nation... I guess Donald Trump is the knight in shining armor who comes to save us one more time. The John Wayne of our era. No, he's not. Sorry. He is a sinner too, just like the rest of them. And he cannot save this nation. God's already said it is going to be destroyed. That is his judgment, and that is the bottom line. So don't think for a moment anybody's going to save us. It's not going to happen. Well, I did use up my time now, so let's quit there.